Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this podcast series is about demystifying women's hormonal issues, struggles, and the many things that dance in between. And the title of today's podcast, Meeting Ourselves Where We Are. Well, I've been wanting to do this podcast for quite a while. And my guest today, I actually wanted her to be on this podcast and the topic because I felt like I needed a lot of emotional support. So as many of you know, when I do a podcast, I'm always talking about how do we lean into the discomfort of our journey? How do we lean into this process even when it's uncomfortable? Because through the discomfort, we get to give birth to a newer version of who we are. And part of that journey is to heal us physically. So whether we're dealing with endometriosis or gastrointestinal issues, or we're dealing with Lyme or anxiety or depression or infertility issues or PCOS, and the list goes on and on and on. Healing, even in Chinese medicine, all healing has to take place and engage the heart. And without dropping in the heart, we can never fully heal. We can intellectualize it, we can dissect it, but it's got to drop into the heart. So that is a place where we can become vulnerable to creating change and a shift. So what I'd like to share with you today, I've been pretty transparent about my healing journey and my background, or I think the stepping off place to where so much of my journey took place for me moving forward in the field of of healthcare is that in my teens and in my 20s, I struggled with anorexia and full-blown bulimia in my 20s. And I was very fortunate that probably around the age 27, 28, 29, I really started getting the help I needed. I had a good functional medicine doc. I worked with a nutritionist. I worked with a therapist and moved on my way. And then suddenly in my mid-30s, I was in a much better place. I felt this calling to start working with women in the area of health. And I decided to go to school for acupuncture. And when in acupuncture school, you get you get a lot of acupuncture, a lot of needling, a lot of people touching you. It's a lot of body work. And what does that do? It just brings so much emotional stuff to the surface. So myself, including other people in clinic, would just start crying or they would be shaking or things would just emotionally come to the surface. So my partner in class was my dear friend, Patsy Roth, who later on became the director of my acupuncture school. And she said, Meg, you have a lot of stuff coming up when we start touching the lung meridians and the pericardium, which the heart protector. She said, I really think you're ready for some new release. And I'm going to recommend a friend of mine, Anne Bradney. She does core energetic work. And I started to work with Anne Bradney and we took a deep dive into what was the underbelly, the underlying issues to my eating disorder. And I had to take a closer look at the sexual abuse that I experienced at the hands of my mom. My mother was also physically abusive. She was mentally ill. And it was pretty crazy growing up in a house with 10 kids. Part of that experience for me, and I'll go into it with Christina because I wanted her to be here for this podcast a couple of years ago, but now we're going to take a dive into core energetics. And we're also going to talk about how core energetics 
really helped me to heal. And I'm bringing this up about the abuse because I always say to clients, you have to lean in. I had to lean in so deep and really face my demons and find my self-worth, my love, my self-love through this work. And I'm very thankful for Core Energetics. My guest, Christina Hasfeld-Wall, is an incredible holistic therapist. She's a spiritual coach. She is a core energetic practitioner with over 25 years of experience. And I met Christina at Sacred Center Church in New York City at a service. I actually was attending services there where August Gold was leading the uh, spiritual community. And after a service, every service, Christina would give the most beautiful meditation amazing meditation. And I always felt safe and comfortable. And I felt this warm place in my heart. And one day it was during the summer, I was going through some stuff and I asked Christine if we could sit and chat. And we sat in a pew and I said, I wanted to do some core energetic work. So we did a series of sessions and really helped me heal on a deeper level. And after that, I started referring clients to her when I worked in New York City. And then as I moved to Charleston, referred clients from Charleston. And now that I work with clients around the country, I send clients to her from wherever these people are because this work is so profound. So I am going to have, I'm going to leave you with one thing before I bring Christine onto the show. She said to me, we can have many self-help tools available to us. However, we must have willingness We don't need to be 100% willing, just 51% of the tipping point, willing to open, look within, and experience ourselves in an honest and compassionate way. And on those words, I, Christina, I'm so glad, I have tears in my heart because I'm so excited for you to be here. So Christina, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyles. Oh, thank you so much, Meg. It's really good to be with you today. So tell our listeners or share with our listeners, tell us about you and share with us. I know that the beauty and the power of core energetics, but explain how this type of therapy is different from others and how it really helps people get in touch with their issues so they can release on a cellular and on a physical and an emotional level. Well, I'd like to share about how I came to Core Energetics. And when I was in my 30s, I was living in New York City and working in the corporate world for a television network. And it was a really great gig. I worked with wonderful people. But um, other than my, it was outside of my job description, but really what I liked doing most in my day was when people would gravitate to me and talk to me about their problems or matters of the heart. And in my job, I'd also reached a point where I didn't, uh, in order to advance, I needed to go up the corporate ladder. And it, it just wasn't me. But also during this series of years in New York, I had a, a bunch of gynecological issues, and the last of which was endometriosis. So mm. I, I knew something, I mean, literally something was growing inside of me and, and I knew something was going on, but I couldn't really connect things. And so I remember at that time kind of asking the universe for some clarity of where I was because I was quite comfortable where I was. 
especially in this in this job and in my life. And about three or four weeks later, my boss suddenly died. Mm. And from that point forward in my work for about the, the next six months, my life completely changed. And they hired on this, this big mucky muck female executive who came in. And despite my efforts to be the best employee that I could be, she just had it in for me. And I was a complete people pleaser. And I never give gave anyone any reason to dislike me or be upset or be angry. And so all of this just didn't compute, but she accused me of things and the company didn't be, back me up. And it resulted in this kind of explosion of emotions inside of me that I had for the very first time in my life. So much anger and so much rage. And I remember being at in my workday and when I'd be in contact with her, it's almost like a, something would come up and I, in order to try to contain it, I would out of desperation go into the bathroom stall and I would shadow box and I would pretend like I was wringing her neck. And then I would go on to the elevator when I could be by myself. And again, I would just kick and punch and make sound. And thank mm. God there weren't cameras in the elevators back then. <laughs> but it's just, there was something I just didn't recognize myself, but it was just so large that it was yeah. elicited in this situation. And this led me to a friend mentioning core energetics. And this core energetics, it addresses the, the energy in the body, what gets somatized in the body, which means it gets energy that gets lodged somewhere. And then it also the consciousness, our beliefs and what gets formed and, and, and what really creates our outer world. So I became a client for about several years and then eventually mm. went into the training program, the four-year training program to be a therapist. And when I look back now at that time and that woman who was such a nemesis and, and created such hell in my life where I saw it as that's the way it was happening. And she was such an, a vital catalyst for me, not just to, to kind of shake me out of that job or something that was comfortable and move me on to the work that I was meant to do, which was very significant. But I think even more importantly, she woke up in me or triggered in me this incredible life energy that I didn't even know that I had. And it, it propelled me into situations that were so uncomfortable, but that I actually progressively needed to have my voice and find some way of, of, yes. of standing in this and then just knowing how to navigate. So it was really one of the best gifts that could have been given to me. I always find, I think it's fun. Pema Children, I think her, she said one of her greatest gifts was her husband leaving her, her ex-husband. Did He yes. walked up the driveway and he said, I'm having an affair. I want a divorce. And she picked up a rock and she threw it at him. Pema Children <laughs> is this most amazing yes. Buddhist nun who yes. had kids. She's just so down to earth, and I love everything she has to say. And yeah, so for her, that was that she wouldn't be where she is presently in her 80s, great 
teacher for decades. And, you know, I look at my life and, you know, who wants to admit that they have an eating disorder and who wants to face the fact that, I mean, actually what happened for me, I had a healing session with someone and which was the precursor to core energetics because that's what she was doing. And I had a session with this Tara Fairchild. I remember her profound. And it suddenly in this session with her, I just started having flashbacks. And the year prior to this, I was in, in my 20s, I was around 28, 29, I can't remember. I was in meditation and I heard this inner voice say, the next year is a year of preparation for what you need to know. So this is going back to the 80s with crystals and new age stuff. And we all thought, oh, I'm going to have this grandiose epiphany. I'm going to be enlightened. Exactly one year later, almost to the day, I had a session with this woman, started having flashbacks. I almost fell to my knees. I actually did. And I said, I'm making this up. This could not have happened. But I, everything that I was remembering, I always knew. I went home to my apartment and I fell asleep on the bed. I, I just couldn't cope. And when I woke up, I heard this inner voice say, this was the year of preparation for you to remember. This is your truth. It happened. You are not making this up. I will never forget that. That inner voice was crystal clear and so loud. That is, that's so powerful. So you're fortunate, you're fortunate that you had such clarity, you know, come through about it to, to really ground you in that whole process. Yeah. I think I was probably closer to, to 30. I can't remember, but I wouldn't, if, you know, initially dealing with the, you know, the eating disorder issues, was I ready? I actually reached out to my therapist, who was like the leading disorder, eating disorder therapist in New York, she'd moved out to California, was setting up a clinic out there. And I said, did you have any idea that I was going through sexual abuse? And she said, well, I asked you about it. I said, isn't that kind of up to you to help me figure out what was going on? So anyway, it was just, I'm not trying to point the finger, yeah. but it, you know, the therapy was more dealing with my head. Um, if you could see me, I'm, I'm making a box out of my head. <laughs> it wasn't about fully dropping into the heart and I'm not making this therapist wrong. I mean, she brought me to a good place, but I felt stuck Yeah, and continued doing different therapy that eventually led me to core energetics. So I just wanted yeah, to Yeah, so it's definitely a dance in. because when you reference mm-hmm. that that tipping point or the 51% that reaches something. Until that point happens in an individual, then a lot of these kinds of, you know, could be trauma, other other experiences or things, that the brain just instinctively protects the self and it yes. locks it away somewhere. So even if somebody had been probing, you can have it out. It's just not in your consciousness. It's in the unconscious. Right. And it's still driving how you respond to life. Like you'll be easily triggered by things because the brain yeah. puts it in a file somewhere that whatever those original conditions are, whenever you see it in a different form later in life, it can elicit that literally in the body. But there still can be so much resistance to that 
coming up into consciousness. So I feel like, again, it's a bit of a dance sometimes with, you have to be with a practitioner, certainly that can hold the ground for that in their energy and not be frightened by it. And and that really has to do with them in their own body and their own self. I mean, are they in contact enough with that? But I do find with clients as well that, that even if I can recognize or touch into something it's kind of like there's this divine intelligence that's there that knows the point when there is sufficient safety or grounding in the, in that person. So that those, again, whatever those, those memories or flashbacks or other kinds of things, especially in the body have a, a a safety to come up into consciousness. And then once that begins to happen, that is, then we need to find the space for it. Um, Because yes, initially, it can be quite scary. I I had a client, you know, similar to you, but she, Mm -hmm. she probably reached her, I'm guessing in her late 30s, and very from the outside, she was just so beautiful and so put together, almost like a, she almost seemed like a doll. And I don't mean that in a two-dimensional way, but Mm -hmm. she was warm and lovely. And then it was at a particular point, I worked with her for, uh, you know, a few years. And then all of a sudden, like you were describing, it was as though these things started coming up in her that, that were so terrifying. I mean, mean, literally her body would shake or she'd have these, she would just have out of body and these flashbacks and things that, but had such a difficulty understandably trusting it, it because it is it it it, it really kind of messes with you in a way because well, you, you feel this, like you're this, you're you know i mean you feel crazy you're like you're, yeah you i mean i i can't even yeah you feel like I, I gotta be making this stuff up because it's so crazy it's so insane and for me part of it and i want to get back to this, but part of the insanity in bringing to the surface, I was always the good, the good woman in the family. I was successful. I didn't rock the boat. And finally, it's amazing when you start speaking your truth. Mm. And I, what had happened for me is, and I'm going to edit a lot out, my my youngest sister had a child, and I don't know what happened at that time. And she said to my mom, Margaret accused you of sexually abusing her. And my mom called me and I was in therapy. And I don't know why my sister did this, but it was what it was. And I said to my mom, if you want to talk about this, I will do it in therapy. But I'm not going to come out to the house and have the conversation. And then my dad got on the phone. I said, Dad, I will talk about this in the environment that I feel safe in, and that is with a therapist. And every my mom was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And editing a lot out, years went by. And I had family members say that I was disgusting. How dare I say mm. these things about our mother? But nobody questioned. They were like, well, when did this happen? And I'm like, I had people saying this never could happen. I'm like, you weren't even fucking born at this point. How would you even know? And you weren't there. And it did happen to others, and I'm not going to speak up about their experiences, but I had to step back from my family for close to 15 years. And just to just share very quickly, my brother David, God bless his soul, called me the day before in 2004, 
it was like January 28th. And he said, my father was dying of prostate cancer. He said, you need to see your father. You need to see dad before he passes. Otherwise, you, you won't be able to forgive yourself. You're going, to be, you're going to be carrying such a burden. He said, tell mom what she needs to hear. Eat crow like every other person in mm-hmm. our family. And just say, it never happened so you could see dad. So I call my mother up and I say, hi, it's me. Uh, um, it never happened. I want to see dad. <laughs> and I came to the house and I saw my father and I walked into the bedroom And I literally, my knees buckled and I hit the floor. And it wasn't just because he was wasting, because he lost, I mean, he dropped to 80 pounds. It was because the power of grace hit me so hard that I realized in this moment that I had to be there. This was part of my healing. And I, I don't know how to articulate it. I felt something totally shift in my being. I saw my dad and the next day he passed away. Wow. And my sister, my oldest sister said, when I went to walk in the room to see my father, Margaret, people know me as Margaret in my family. Margaret is part of this family. She is a part of this. She will never be pushed away and she will always be part of the family. But guess what? Nobody talked about the abuse and my mother never brought it up. And even till the day she passed, we never had the discussion And I've had to still be okay with that. Hmm. So I would say to you, if I can ask, how do you look at a situation like this? And people say, well, you need to forgive. It's very hard to forgive when somebody hasn't acknowledged that something has happened. Yeah, you you you. It's not even about forgiveness. Yourself to that place, and it's not genuine anyway. And where it's coming from, and everyone else is that. They're, they're trying to protect something that's actually in themselves. It mm-hmm. becomes kind of a family pact. And, yeah. and certainly in situations of abuse like this, even when people don't consciously know, they know. They, they, yeah. they know on some level. But it's, it's, it's coming, sort of a, a family to contract, the now. right, yeah. to, to kind of keep it because it's too scary for them on some level. Or, yeah. it, it, I mean, talk about how much it rocked your world when this came up for you and you're walking in a sense, it takes so much courage. It's so beautiful. And the word courage, it, it does come yeah. to the core, right from the heart to stand in your truth and you walk through. And so your journey of going to the hospital and being, being with your dad and kind of completing. It was at home. It was at home actually. Yeah. Oh, it was at home. Oh, that's it was even, at that's home. even more meaningful. Yes. That's even more meaningful. That wow. was at home. Where I grew up. So, wow. Okay. This is so divinely orchestrated on some level. And yet you were the one walking through this. And then again, the part that feels like it it needs to do what it has to do. But ultimately, your truth was what stood and walked you through. And it it can be a very isolating journey initially. Um, And this is what I think scares people off, especially women about this, but it almost through this connection with the feelings and the things that come up in the body, this is where you can't even, there comes a point where you can't even push it down anymore. And as uncomfortable as that is, it's actually, again, such a a beautiful thing that we don't even have that. We can try very hard and it can go a long time in our life, but then ultimately 
this comes because it comes to liberate us and to take us out of a kind of a paradigm where we feel, you know, we're experienced being victimized by someone and a perpetrator and complete a process where we empower ourselves and we take ourselves out of that prison without, yeah. with all of those energies and, and memories and the beliefs that get formed about ourselves. I mean, there's so much that gets formed around this until it can start to unify and come together. And so when the family can't do that on some level, it's very challenging because it means mm-hmm. that you, you again, don't have someone else reflecting something back to you or kind of who you feel has your back in the situation. So many of the, almost all the, the healers and helpers that I know in this world have gone through some type of this journey. And then we all go through a journey. It's by design when we come into this life that, that we leave this, this, um, this we, before we're born, we're in this unity consciousness and in this, this love and with divine source. And then we come into through, through the veil of forgetfulness and we forget all of this and we come into this physical body in this dimension that is so much denser and has this duality, this light and this shadow. So we go through some dance and some journey in this life in various forms, depending on what we came in to experience with this. And we form a lot of beliefs and, and a lot of the energy goes up into the head. But as it's just drawn more down into into the body and awarenesses that move more from the outer to the inner and in that journey meg you had to go you couldn't rely on the outer you know you couldn't rely on your family there was something that was guiding you and to have received the the messages that you did that were you know that were really aligning you with something to to give you the strength to know what you needed to do to free your own energy, to free your own self and your own heart. It's, it's just a powerful story. And thank you for sharing it. You know, I feel like this, the title of this podcast, meeting ourselves where we are. It's like we, I met myself where I was in my teens. And I met myself in my 20s when I started this journey of therapy. I met myself again exactly where I, when I sat in that pew with you. I met myself again shifting when I moved to Charleston, which was probably one of the most difficult periods in my life. It was just, just so much was changing. I had to figure out where the beach blanket of life would settle for me. And I rediscovered myself while I was there. And I landed in Atlanta, which is now my home for however long that is. It's a comfortable place. But something profound happened to me when I first landed here in probably in 21, 22. I think I realized last year. You know, our parents do the best they can. And it may not be the best. But then there comes a point where I have to, I've been given the gift of free will and I have to choose how I want to heal and I have to choose how I can give myself the love that I never got. Yes. And I say that to clients, yeah, you didn't get, yeah, kind of sucked. You had a sucky marriage and whatever went on. 
What do you want to do right now to give yourself what you need? And what I do with a lot of clients, because I'm not a therapist, I'll hold the space. I refer them out, you know, or to take a deeper dive with their therapist. Therapy is very important. And the work that you do, Christina, it's so profound because it's looking at the spiritual journey. It's looking at the core of who we are and how that influences our physical health. Absolutely. 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 I mean, even though we came through this veil of forgetting this essence of who we are in that that unity consciousness, it's always inside us somewhere. But we, again, throughout our life, because we we learn from first our mother and then our family and then outer world and so forth. We, we kind of size up what is welcomed, what isn't, and what can I show and what do I need to hide and mm-hmm. how do I navigate life? And we, we put together a combination of a survival strategy or some, for some, it seems like almost like a success formula, but we're, we're trying to either get as much love as we can or avoid pain and so yeah. again, it's all it's all focused on this outer. So when you say to someone, you know, about this, people have heard this a lot, you know, about loving the self. There's there's for a while there's this movement and and that many times people don't want that. They want it from the outside. And there is this confusion of source. And when I say source, yes. I'm referring with a capital S. You know, put any name to it, God, mm-hmm. source, light whatever one resonates with, but we are that. And so this movement that that goes from the outside that keeps looking outside, am I worthy? Am I doing enough? You know, just all these measurements and comparisons and judging and so forth. So a lot of this energy, again, there's a very strong pull and there's so much on in our world that draws us out there. And from this place that really comes from the mental plane, there's so much fear because it's based on this premise that we're not whole. So this aspect of of love, you know, even if someone doesn't like even relate to that word, because surprisingly, a lot of people don't when it comes. to. I was just going to I was going to comment on that. And I will because and I don't want to I don't want to interrupt your thought. But people get pissed off. What do you mean self-love? They don't understand that. So anyway, continue. And I'd love for you to hit on that. Well, I really, I mean, in my lifetime, I've had to take a look at, you know, do I know what love is? I mean, what we attach love to is, you know, what we experience. But a lot of times it's it's some kind of of strategy somewhere. And it's not really something that is flowing. We do experience this. We oftentimes will experience it very organically with mm-hmm. things that don't threaten us in some way, like when we respond to animals or or young children, or or there will be absolutely there can be people that we can can freely love in life. But for some reason we we we've learned to believe that we are what we think. And, and so this aspect of love, when we say that it's sort of like, well, you know, okay, it is so we try to think love for ourselves. And and really, it's a loving act to, to really with these very simple things like to, to slow down, to, Mm -hmm. to, to begin to just breathe, to, to just to feel just to feel your body. 
it's not this big like the the, the ego it's mind the wants dramatic things. things it wants big things yeah. and and it's so it's not very satisfying to the ego but it's an attention it's putting an attention in a soft way to the that's self. nurturing i mean it's, i it's say like, to clients because i deal with so much nutrition and hormonal issues and autoimmune i mean the everything starts with What's on your plate? What are you putting in your mouth? But the the big thing, the start is preparing a meal for yourself, taking the time to cook something. And a lot of people in the very, a lot of clients are very resistant to that. But I said, that is how you start getting in touch with you. It's all the little things, breathing, taking an Epsom salt bath. After dinner, go for a walk. Watch the sunset, get up in the morning, sit on your back porch, get up 15 minutes early, have your breakfast, chew you food, don't always do a shake, get to know you. I think it's so hard to romance ourselves because we're strangers. We don't know how to be. I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but people are like, I said, of course you don't want to be with you because you don't know who you are. So what would it be like to get acquainted and meeting yourself where you are today. Hi, I'm Meg. Meg, nice to meet you. I want to get to know you. Can we go for a walk? Do you know what I mean? Like sitting with yourself. Yeah. Taught this. Well, you know, interestingly, when when we really give the space to meet ourselves where we are, and and by that I mean with as little judgment as possible. And that's, mm. that's challenging. Yeah. Sometimes what we find, if we're really honest with ourselves, is as a resistance. So the meeting ourselves in that place, it's actually loving to just be honest. Like maybe there's a part of the self that says, yeah. I don't want to love myself. No. it's okay. Right? So even that, like going like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That is bringing some kind of alignment and yes, kind of in harmony with something that in that moment, it doesn't mean it's going to stay in that place. But I think this part, you know, we, it, it's, it's a principle of energy in all relationships that if, if something from the outside wants us to change, there's a resistance. And so, you know, sometimes we just have to do some, we have to meet it. And be be honest and not talk ourselves or BS ourselves about it and just kind of meet it and again, just just honestly accept what we're what we're feeling yeah. or experiencing at that point. And then once we do, it's kind of like, huh, that's interesting. Oh, I'm, you know, really I I'm I'm doing something right now that kind of feels abusive to myself, huh? And I practice this, I started because we have a couple little dogs and Mm -hmm. I love how animals and nature and because these, these beings are, they're, they're in this unconditional love and they don't have an ego mind that separates and judges. And so many times if, uh, you know, whatever space I'm in, if I get caught in something for myself, I will try to I look at one of my dogs who's are usually somewhere nearby. <laughs> and I try to, to just see myself as they see me or they experience me. Now, it doesn't matter to them in any given moment whether I'm loving myself or not, whether I'm, you know, I'm doing a good job today, mm-hmm. how I look, 
how I, how I smell, you know, none of those things. They're just in this field. They just, they just are holding this field of love. And that is really wanted. I wanted to just offer today is that this is so incredibly challenging for us to do with ourselves. But as we imagine, wow, what if we could just have some space? What if I didn't have to live up to something today or, or think that I am bad because Mm -hmm. I have this feeling or this experience. And the more that we create the space around it, the more that, again, we can move from this doing, 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 thinking, thinking into this, just this being and, and allow this space. And then the, that loving or those choices or things to move towards something, the resistance is less because there's not this tug of war inside that is in one state and feeling this negativity and trying to pull yourself out. It actually doesn't work. And it, when you're really activated in that, it really doesn't work. In fact, if when someone is in a very agitated state and they hear somebody that has a meditative voice, it's so annoying. Like they actually can't, you know, and, and they'll reject it all. So, so we just are opening up this space to experience and somewhere in life. I mean, we've gotten so many messages and these things from outside but one of the things that I think most of us were taught is that we're here to accomplish things and get somewhere. And it, it matters if we do this or do that when we're here to experience. We're here and, to and, and yes, and I agree because, you know, everything is so goal oriented. Well, then you reach the goal and then you feel flat as opposed to an unfolding of experiences. You know, I was commenting on what you were saying about you know, acknowledging what you feel. So years ago when I quit smoking and I had gone to a hypnotherapist and I loved what he said to me. And he said during the process, the session, he said, it's okay to want a cigarette, but it's up to you to choose whether or not you have that cigarette. And I went, oh, okay. So as you said, it's important to acknowledge we feel like shit. I'm angry. I'm really sad. These feelings have to be acknowledged before we can make a choice of saying, wow, I'm feeling this. Wow, what could I possibly do today to uplift myself or to sit with this, to sit with what I feel and allow that to tell me what I need? Yes, this learning to tolerate some discomfort is a key part of the process. and. You know, our minds that we identify so much with, you know, we think that we are feeling things, but most of the time we're thinking things. Mm-hmm. So when, and the, the mind sort of functions like this control tower with all these, these strategies, but as we begin to, again, just allow the attention to, to move in a different way and to, through our breath or something that, that it, it's almost like we have to there's like this little being that's up in the control tower of the mind and it's isolated and it's trying to do things all alone and think our way through everything. And it's like, we almost have to walk it downstairs to join the rest, not just the body, but the spirit and some fullness of life energy because the life energy is not coming from the mind. That's actually where all the suffering comes from. Yeah. So the experience or something, and then the energy will get 
caught in other places of the body because the energy is, you know, the focus is too much up in the mind. But it, you're, but as you, you have to give this, in a sense, permission first. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're very capable. People are very capable of of staying in that upper quadrant somewhere and and then just trying to navigate from there. So again, this fifty one percent that just may go, huh? You know, I wonder, I wonder what's here. You know, I wonder what's here in my physical body, mm-hmm. and even being able to in our, you know, we run on autopilot so much of the time that sometimes even to say, stop and say, am I here right now? Like, am I here in this moment? Can I feel my feet? Can I feel my hands? Can I feel my body? And certainly when something somatizes and you get a pain or a symptom or an illness mm-hmm. and the clients that come to you or that might come to me, then, then it's really getting our attention in some way, but it's always talking to us. And the abdominal area is such a, a, a big place where so many emotions are held. Oh my God. And, yeah. yeah. And you, and look at all of the, the issues with digestion and, and things. So again, but, but first there, there needs to be, let's just say sufficient, just enough permission to kind of just have this faith that the control tower can give over and allow to be just a little bit, just a little bit vulnerable. There's no 100% here. Nobody is 100% anything. That's no. a distortion. But just a little more in that in that place. And when you are in places of illness or distress and dis-ease, right, disease, yeah. It, that that's when we actually have get drawn. Sometimes we're we're really pushed in those places to to begin to experience something differently and to allow. And and when we do, there's there's so much more divine assistance than we ever imagine. Yeah. You know, there's there's something that so wants to to again sort of unify and relax. How much stress do we experience in our world right now? And, and it's almost, you know, yesterday I, I had this incredible experience. I went to this place that had aerial yoga, but I went for this yoga nidra, which is this, mm-hmm. right? Oh, this I love yoga, yoga nidra. Right? It's almost like you're in a, almost, almost like a sleep state, but not a state. Well, it's Shivasana, which is. Yes. The, it's, it's a state it's, of relaxation, but it was yeah. in these hanging kind of hammocks and almost like you're cradled in this. Mm. And I thought, oh, wow. oh my God, this is, this is like what we all need to feel somewhere, right? Probably mm. in, in the womb for, for a lot of us, but some for us, maybe distress even started when we we're in the, in the womb, but this feeling like, like, it's okay. What I, what I'm experiencing, it's okay. It's all okay. And this sense somewhere that even despite all appearances, that there can be this, this wellness or this well-being inside without having to earn it or to get somewhere. Yeah. Just take a pause. It's yeah. so much information. It's, it's, yeah, how can we, I look at my journey and it's a peeling back of an onion. It's being gentle. It's, you know, it was like I said to you two years ago, I called you. I said, I want to do a podcast and I want to share, you know, that I had been 
sexually abused and I wasn't ready. And now I thought, you know, I want to do this because I want other women to know that maybe they've been sexually abused. Maybe there's been mental abuse, emotional abuse, whatever, but they can heal and they can be vulnerable and they can talk about it. And if they feel judged by family, then find friends or a therapist that can be an advocate to hold the space for their truth. Because this, for me, it I had been told by so many members in my family that this was not truth. And I just had to honor what was in my heart and step back and live my life. And still to this day, my family doesn't talk about it. Some people do. But I love my family dearly, but there's a, a lot of wounds going on. And, you know, it's amazing how something can happen to you when you're three, four, or five. And I see with clients, and they're in their 60s and 50s, and they're still holding that wound. And we have to, to, to liberate ourselves, to live our true, authentic self. We have to find a way to heal that, not fix it but heal it and be okay with it. Like I have to be okay with the fact I never had the conversation with my mom to say for her to say, I'm sorry that happened. Yes, it did happen. I wasn't in a good state, nothing. And just, it is what it is. And I had to, I, you know, I still think about it. It's, it's not about forgiveness. It's just about how can I accept it and be okay with what is, does that make sense? To, oh, it, 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 makes, I'm talking. it makes so much sense. Uh, this that that statement about being with what is and you know and look at how much light you know you're able to bring into the world and to the women that you work with and and even though you've had to again in your particular journeys mm -hmm. and you know stand alone and yet you have this sisterhood and brotherhood and everything else that's a part of your life now yeah and I just want to say also for those out there because sometimes clients will come in and they're just really afraid that there's some deep, dark secret there. And yeah. sometimes there's not a deep, dark secret. You know, right. we, don't, we don't all have, and we, we have very no. unique journeys in this life, but whatever we did experience or whether, where those messages came, where somehow we absorbed them or we concluded something about ourselves that is distorted in some way, it affected us. And yes. even because sometimes you'll ha have people come and they'll say, well, you know, I, I come from a good family and they're, you know, everything seemed okay. So why do I feel this way? And, mm. and so there's kind of a dismissing of it because they don't feel they'll hear about dramatic stories of people. Right. And then they'll think, well, mine, you know, I don't have a right to feel this way. And that's again, how you talk yourself out of experiencing what you're experiencing. Everything is valid, and you wouldn't, you would not, you wouldn't have it. I mean, it, it wouldn't even be in you if if it wasn't authentic for you. So this is again a case of where the mind tries to come in and and short circuit the the, the process of it. Mm -hmm. So wherever wherever we're from, and they're all you know, even in the quote unquote from the outside best of families, you know, there are closets <laughs> everywhere as well. But we come through and we come in with, with so many of these things because whether we like it or not, if we look back, it is in the cases of this discomfort that we 
oftentimes will awaken about something or absolutely you know which we can't see until we walk through the tunnel and because what all we are experiencing really in that time is the shadow aspect of it but we're actually able to meet that shadow that part that's inside the self and, and clear it out and in the current energetics on the planet you know a lot of these ego tools that we have that we've navigated with to this point they're not working so well anymore no they don't and Mm -hmm. it's by design because the the ego identity as the soul navigation process it it's faulty it's like a faulty software because it's still disconnected from a sense of wholeness and so the energy as we can feel things are changing with time you can feel everything brewing on the planet and it doesn't matter what interpretation you put to the outer, but you can feel it. It's it, it's kind of like sometimes it feels like this, a bit of this hurricane energy. Mm-hmm. And it's just spinning sometimes. And the ego mind kind of stays in those outer bands of the hurricane. And right now it gets very chewed up in that place because our souls are really inviting us to come into the center and to to come into the place to to invite the parts that are split off everywhere <laughs> into the center into to some sense of acceptance or or unity and these forces are strong right now um, the ones that will pull us outward to distract us but also these other energetic forces that are really bringing us home inside yeah you know I, as i say to clients that work with me i said it's you know, this challenge, you know, there, there's that honeymoon phase. I start working with someone, they change their diet, they take their supplements. Then maybe about four, six weeks in, could be three weeks in, they're like, they're, they're having a hard time with it. They just can't stay on course. And there is a resistance there. And I say, you know, this is an opportunity for you to start caring for you in a way that you've never experienced. It's uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Just keep moving through it. Just know that, as you said, you will end up on the other side. There will be a breakthrough. It will be empowering for you to reclaim you or an aspect of you that you never knew existed, that you could be. And I use this, I say it a lot because it's true. How do we as women become the best mothers we can be to ourselves? How do we get out of the backseat of the car or the trunk and start driving the car? How do we take care of ourselves in a way that is so, because it's powerful. It is powerful to take care of yourself. Then you can like, Mm -hmm. You take care of you. You 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 know you 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 eat well. You you do a nidra yoga. You go for a walk. Do things that that nurture you. Like when I first moved to Charleston, I took a break. It was like the first time I took a break in decades. And this little voice said, "For the next few months, I just want you to go ride your bike and go out for a cup of coffee in the afternoon." And that's what I did. I listened to this inner voice. Eh, don't worry about work. Go ride your bike. Go for a walk. And I had to reset that New York spin because I was always in this perpetual, you know, it was perpetually on that, that, that New York City, you know, hum, that vibration that we have. And living in Charleston, it took me a while just to kind of bring it down, bring it down. And so I could hear more about what is it what that I wanted, what, what did I need, and it was okay to give myself permission 
to stop. I do that here. It's like, I'm done. I'm just going to do what I need. I mean, I'm structured my life a lot differently right now. And I have much more balance than I've ever had. And I'm probably busier in a way than I've ever been. So if that oh, makes balance. sense. What an what yeah. important word. Well, when you were when you were speaking about those clients, you know, some people need to, for whatever reason, we need to break reach a breaking point before we'll yeah. give ourselves a break, right? And there's nothing right. wrong with that. There's no right or wrong about it. But we don't mm-hmm. we don't have to go to that point. But even those clients that were, you know, sometimes hearing what you might suggest to them, there can also be something for them to see inside themselves. Like, are to be honest, like, am I, you know, say. Uh, giving Meg the impression that I'm listening and taking all this in, but inside something saying no. Now that's a yes, very powerful that is so great that you said that. Yeah, because you don't necessarily Meg might want you to change it, want for you to change it, but in that moment, nothing needs yeah. to change, but just to align with what's true in that moment, and then you stop. You know, we stop again fooling ourselves on some level that we're, we're, that this is what it's about, that we're supposed to meet this outer authority or, or please them or something, and then just go hide and be ourselves somewhere. And so when this starts to line up and you give yourself permission to, to go, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. I've reached that for now. Again, it, it changes up the chemistry. So that's not in this unconscious tug of war somewhere, mm-hmm. resistance, and then whatever innately inside does want to come forth, because there's always well being underneath that wants more. This is yeah. who we are. This is our true state. But we that's the meeting ourselves where we are. And it and again, it takes this permission to go like, Oh, can I do that? Because again, if you if, if you're afraid to see it in yourself or just let it be there, then you can ride for a while going and paying lots of practitioners monies, money and getting all those good tools and so forth. But there's something that is out of alignment. Yeah. This was a fabulous conversation. Mm. And I am so... You know how much I love you. You're a soul sister. You really are. You're a kindred spirit. Mm. And I feel so blessed to know it's like oh when i i know when i have certain clients i'm like you must reach out to christina mm. she's going to help you take that deep dive and open things up in a way that you will you will discover something about you you will be liberated but you got to do the work and she'll help you lean into that mm. is there anything that you would like to share before we close and and i just want people to know in the show notes i will include uh christina walls uh contact information. And I'll include that on Instagram too. So um, please feel uh, just, you know, you will be able to reach out to her. But what would you like to say in closing? I would just like to say, breathe, relax. Everything that you are and that you're experiencing has space and is welcomed here. And just just allow just just allow it it's just it it's just so beautiful to to rest in the fullness and all of the incredible contrast and richness of who we are so mm-hmm. just just let it be experienced i love that i also feel that sometimes when we're in the storm 
And sometimes we don't hear God's grace or God or, you know, whatever. I I use the term God because it's just, it's easier. But when I can't hear the divine and I'm like, what do I do? And I, and I, if I can't hear anything, I'm not supposed to, because I'm in, I just have to be present to the quiet and then it will be revealed to me what the next steps are. So sometimes when people say, I don't know, just be present to the fact that, that there is a stillness right now. Does that make sense? Sometimes and, in, and just that 51% yes, that's willing thank you. to trust. That's yes. just willing to trust. I want to repeat that statement. We don't need to be 100% willing, just 51% the tipping point willing to open, look within, and experience ourselves in an honest and compassionate way that I believe allows us, allows us to meet ourselves where we are. So I want to thank everyone for being here today. And if you would like to reach out to me, you can reach me at info at megrichichi.com or all my contact info is at megrichichi.com. And if you, again, want to reach out to Christina, I will include that in the show notes. So I hope today this was helpful to many listeners. I want to thank you for being with me. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. And if you have any questions and if you'd like to share something with me, send me an email. So until we meet again, I send much love, much grace. Thank you for leaning in and being with us today. And until the next time, may you live peacefully and happily in the hormone lifestyle zone. Be well.